This is from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Thank you, Father, for your word. Patrick Choi is going to preach today, if I might pray. Father, we thank you for Patrick. We thank you for young men in this congregation who live transparently before us. Bless him now as, as you work by your spirit through the gift of preaching, Father, to teach every one of us what you have for us today. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited to be up here, humbled to be up here. We're going to be looking at the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, so when I was in high school, I would almost classify myself as, as a wannabe Pharisee. So if you don't know what a Pharisee is, this is Someone who's very religious, um, almost a, a religious expert in a way, someone who, who tried to follow the law the best that he could. So I say that I wanted to be a wannabe Pharisee in high school because Pharisees at least you know, knew things of the Old Testament, knew things about Scripture, but me, I didn't know anything. I just pretended to know things and wanted people to, to know that I was a Christian or at least associated with Christians. So when I was a freshman in high school, I had a lot of Christian friends, and my, my freshman high school mind kind of went to, because I have a lot of Christian friends, therefore I am a Christian. And the group of friends that I had, uh, they, they tagged us as the God Squad. So we were known for four years in high school as the God Squad. And again, my high school mind was, because I am the God Squad, God is going to love me more than everyone else because people see me as this. Really backwards, really wrong, but that's kind of uh, the way I, I thought of myself. So in high school, you know, you have your locker and you put your books there. Bell rings, you go back, you get your books. And in high school, you, you carry your books around like this. And I just remember I had this black leather NIV Bible that I would keep in my locker. Um, never read it, never, never really opened it. But I, I remember that I would carry that Bible around school like this so that people would see that I had a Bible. So people would say, hey, that's that God Squad friend group, and there's his Bible. That's his friend. And as I kind of take a step back and think about that, it's kind of, it's kind of what I, I've realized is that we, and myself included, you know, we often care much more about our standing with, with each other than we do uh, with our standing with Christ. You know, we care more about our appearance with God than our actual relationship with God. And, you know, I kind of let that sink in for a moment. And 
it's just wild that I care more about faking my relationship with Jesus so, so people would think I, I'm a believer than I actually cared about my relationship with God. And here's the thing about that is we have this thought process that as long as I can fake it and make it look like I'm doing okay, that's good enough for me. As long as, as, long as Joe Schmo down the street thinks that I'm a believer and that I'm living this life that God has called me to, that is good enough for me. I don't actually have to live the life. I just have to pretend it. But the, the thing that I came to realize was that that life is tiring it's lonely, it is not life-giving, and as we'll see in this parable, um, eventually it leads to destruction in our lives. It leads to where, where God does not want us to be. So uh, the big idea for, for today and kind of where we're going is this, that pride builds my kingdom, humility builds his kingdom. So pride builds my kingdom, humility builds his kingdom. So Let's go ahead and read uh, the first part of that scripture and see what God has to say. And it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So what we see here in this parable is already Jesus is targeting people who are doing two things here. People who are trusting in themselves and people who look down on other people. And I think these two are kind of connected here. I don't think it's an accident that Jesus put this here. Because people who live self-righteous lives typically look down on other people, right? People who boast themselves up, make themselves look better, typically look down on other people. Another thing that we can see here is that Jesus is being very, very bold here. Now, he's not just talking about Pharisees to random people. He's not just going down the road and telling people, hey, let me tell you about these Pharisees and how bad they are. But no, he's talking to Pharisees about Pharisees. So he's being very bold here. And lastly, in this parable, what we're going to see is we're going to see two men, the the tax collector and the Pharisee. We're going to see two very, very different prayers in their lives. And lastly, we're going to see two very different results that happens because of their lives. So the main point, uh, first main point is this, is that pride builds my kingdom. And I, I want to kind of just look at, at the Pharisee and, and his prayer. So, and back then in the context of hearing the word Pharisee, um, the people in the crowd or people back then would have uh, thought a few things, kind of like what we talked about earlier, that um, one, this was a very religious man. He tried to keep all the rules to the best of his, his ability. And this was probably a man that uh, opposed Jesus condemned Jesus, didn't like Jesus, and, and tried everything in his power to, to oppose what Jesus was about. See, the, the Pharisee and the Pharisees back then, they knew everything they could know about, about the Old Testament scriptures. They knew everything in the world about the law. But when the law itself, when Jesus was right in front of him, he missed it. He missed Jesus. And, and, and they knew everything that they could ever think of in terms of how the Old Testament pointed to a Savior. And when Jesus is right in front of them, they missed it. And as we're going to see in his prayer, you know, he's, he's, missing, he's missing the point here. So let, let's take a look at, at his prayer. Um, and here's the thing is, his prayer is a self-eulogy. He says this, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. 
And it's all about him. Everything in this prayer points to him and his kingdom, and nothing in this prayer points, points to God. You know, outwardly, he mentions God in the beginning, but inwardly, he is prideful, he is conceited, and everything is about him. In Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus gives us uh, the Lord's Prayer. And it's, it's very clear and it's very evident that, that Jesus tells us a few things about, about how to pray, right? And he says that prayer is about God's kingdom coming forward, right? It's not about my kingdom. It's not about your kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. And it even says, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. But the Pharisee's prayer is all about his own kingdom and not the kingdom of God. It's all about what he's been doing for God. And the Lord's Prayer goes on and says, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And nowhere in the Pharisee's prayer is there any mention about confessing sin, about sin. And in his mind, he's probably thinking, you know, confess sin for what? You know, I do all these things. I've, I fasted. I've tithed. I've done all these good things. I've kept the law. I don't need to confess. I'm good. And the Lord's Prayer goes on and on, and it says, um, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And again, nowhere in this prayer is there anything about forgiveness of others. But what we see is the complete opposite, right? You know, Jesus calls us to forgive people for, for sinning against us or against other people, but what does the Pharisee do? He calls the other guy out. God, thank you. Thank you that I... And not like this tax collector. Thank you that I'm not like this adulterer or this extortioner. See, the, the Pharisee's prayer, it, it's, it, it's, on the outside it may seem like his life is totally put together. He's done everything that God, you know, seemingly wants him to be. But inwardly, he's completely missing the point. So, Here's how this, uh, this kind of pride kind of manifests itself in my life. Um, and these are kind of like some, some hidden pride things that may look good on, on the outside, but inwardly I, I'm just like the Pharisee. Maybe, maybe I pray every now and then. Um, you know, maybe I come to, to church early and I do set up. I stay late and I tear down. Um, I go to MC every now and then. I'm in a D group. And outside, you know, I'm just like the Pharisee. I'm doing all these good things. But inwardly, what if I'm just like the Pharisee? What if my prayer life looks like, God, you are so welcome that I did set up and tear down. God, you are so welcome that I went to D group. You are so welcome that I did these things. What if I come to do set up, but my mind is, you know, I did set up three times this week. He only did it once. I must be, you know, I'm probably better than he is. Or when I'm tearing down, I kind of scan the room. You know, is everyone watching me? Do you guys see me putting the curtains up? You know, when I'm, when I'm praying in D group or in, in a staff meeting, you know, I'll pray, but I'm not going to go first because here's what has to happen. I need to, I need to think about what I want to say first, right? It needs to sound really good so Ryan likes me more, right? It needs, to, it needs to sound smart. It needs to be theologically correct. And I might be praying to God, but there, there's no relationship there, right? Because, again, it's, it's all about me. It's all about the things that I'm doing, it's all about how people view what I'm doing. Other ways that I can be like a Pharisee is the way I, I, I just look at people and criticize people. You know, it, it's so easy for me to be like, can you believe he still struggles? 
with that. You know, he's been a believer for how many years and he still does that? Did you hear about so-and-so's marriage? I can't believe that that's still happening. Or even critical of other churches, oh, that church is way too big. Oh, that church's theology is so bad. Or, you know, I can't believe they sing that song. Or New City does this so much better than that church. And when I take a step back, do you know what that starts sounding a lot like? It's like the Pharisee. God, thank you that I am like this. Thank you that New City is like this and this church is not like this. And my life starts looking a lot more like the Pharisee than I ever would have thought. And in a way, it's almost a silent killer where you have to take a step back and realize, wow, my life is no different than that uh, of the Pharisee. So I want to ask you this question of how does pride manifest itself in your life? You know, for me, I think a very practical way to look at this is, is my prayer life. Is it like the Pharisee? Is it, is it a self-eulogy? Um, when, I, when I look at my prayer, is it all about me? Is it all about what I'm doing for God? Or is it um, kind of this humble approach? Is it like the Lord's Prayer? Some of you might, might be in a dry season or not really have um, much of a prayer life right now. And in a way, that, that's also a sense of pride, right? Because what, what are we saying to God when we're not praying is, man, I can do this myself. God, I don't need you right now. Let me get out of this hard situation myself without praying. Let me do this myself without praying. Um, do, we, do, you, do we compare ourselves with other people? Um, you know, do we treat others with contempt? Are we just like the Pharisee? And I, I want to warn us and encourage us to try our hardest, you know, not to be comparing ourselves to other people. Because what, what happens when we start comparing ourselves to other people? One of two things can happen. We become like the Pharisee where we boast ourselves up and say, yeah, I am better than this guy. Or the other side, we start comparing ourselves with other people and we start saying, man, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not like this person. And we start trying to be a little farther along than we want to be, right? Um, so, so think through that. When you're praying, when you look at your life, when you examine your life, whose kingdom is actually going forward? Is it your kingdom or is it God's kingdom? Are you exalting yourself? Are you exalting Christ? Are you exalting your life? You're exalting the things that you want to do. But let's, let's take a look at, at the tax collector, um, which leads us to our second point, is this. Is that humility builds God's kingdom. Humility builds his kingdom. So, again, just like the, the Pharisee people um, saw him as a, as a um, religious expert, the tax collector, the complete opposite. People would have seen this guy as the low of the low. You know, people would have been angry at the thought of the tax collector. This is someone who is against his people. They stole money, took more than he needed, and is just, just you know, a low person. Some people might have even thought, you know, what is he even doing here? Like, why is he even praying? Like, get, get away from me. I was trying to think of, I know a tax collector is still a job, but I'm, I was trying to think of, um, like, a modern-day tax collector. And I don't know about you guys, but I get, like, 10 scam phone calls a day, like, all the time. My car's extended warranty is gone. Um, my favorite one is I got $1,000 to Kroger, but I have to buy a wheelchair first. And I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, the IRS personally called me because I owe back taxes, and I was like, why am I getting all these phone calls? So I was thinking, that's probably what a tax collector is probably like nowadays, right? Just like, what are you doing? Stop trying to scam people. But, you know, just like, uh, just like the Pharisee legitimately 
thought he was, he was a righteous and sinless man. Um, the tax collector knew what he was. The, the tax collector knew he was a thief, knew what he was doing. Like, imagine if you were sitting at dinner and um, you asked someone, hey, what do you do for a living? He goes, I try and sell people fake extended warranties on their car, or I try and sell people $1,000 to Kroger if they buy this wheelchair. You'd be like, what? What are you doing? But the thing is, those people who, who are schemed, they know what they're doing. The tax collector, he knew what he was, um, what he was doing. But let's take a look at, at his prayer life. Um, it says this, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And we see an entirely different prayer come out of the, the lips of the tax collector. See, the, the humility of the tax collector starts off immediately before he even says anything. It says that he stood far off and couldn't even look to the heavens. Imagine if someone came to, to church, someone new came to New City, and they felt this unworthiness about themselves that they, they said, I, I have to stand out there. I, I can't come up here and, and pray. And as they're praying, they can't even look up to God because of their unworthiness. And as he's praying, he beats his chest and says, God, forgive me, a sinner. See, he immediately, he seeks God's mercy and forgiveness. And for him, it's a prayer of desperation. See, the Pharisee, he described all his righteousness to God while the tax collector begged for mercy. The Pharisee talks about all he does for God while the tax collector realizes what God can do for his heart. The Pharisee was self-absorbed and proud, and the tax collector was humble and desperate. And as we talk about that prayer of desperation, um, you know, have you ever had one of those moments? One of those moments where you are so desperate, you don't know what to do. The only thing you can do is, is to turn to God, get on your knees and pray. And you know, I remember five years ago, um, I'm sitting in my room, um, and I get this phone call from my brother, and he's crying. And I, I've never heard my brother cry before. And he says, Patrick, you have to get home. I was in college back then. He said, you have to come home. Mom just had a heart attack. And I remember I had no idea what to do. I didn't know who to call, who to turn to. The only thing I could do in that moment was get on my knees and pray. I was so desperate because I could not think of anything else to do. I could not think of what my life would be like with my mom at that point. So I got on my knees and prayed. But see, for the Pharisee, what, what is so profound here is that he has this prayer of desperation, right? But it's not about a specific circumstance. It's not about, you know, I need a job, I need money, my mom had a heart attack. It's not any of that. What he's praying for, his desperation is he sees the awareness of his sin, and he's so desperate right now that he says, God, be merciful to me. Like, I need you more than anything else in the world right now. So the, one of the biggest things that we can learn from the tax collector in this parable is just his awareness of sin in the sight of a holy and perfect God. And I know for a lot of us, it, it's easy to, to almost become numb with our sin, right? It, it, it's, I don't think... A lot of us see sin the way that we should. I don't think a lot of us hate sin the way that, um, that God hates sin. I don't think a lot of us see the depravity of sin as we should. Um, and, you know, as, as I was thinking about this is I tend to forget a lot of times that it, it's actually my sin. It's, it's the things that I've done that fall short of God's glory 
that held Jesus to the cross. Like, it, it's that that held Jesus to the cross, and I'm so quick to forget that. And I think about my reaction to sin nowadays. I want you to think about how you react to sin as well. And what is that for you? Is it simply God forgive me and that's it? No. Have we been Christians for so long now that these words are just empty? No. We we come to church and, and sing and pray and then say, God, thank you for everything you've done for me. Please forgive me of my sins. And that's it. Are those words hollow and empty in our hearts? Is it, God, yeah, I sinned, I'm sorry, but hey, I get to preach tomorrow, so, you know, you do a little something for me, I do a little something for you, you know, I'm a Christian now, so we can do this balancing act, but that's not the way it works. See, does your life look more like the Pharisee, and you, you no longer see your need for Christ, and you're missing the point now, or is our reaction to sin like the tax collector, where We see ourselves in the sight of a holy and perfect God. And our only reaction can be, God, please forgive me. I need your mercy right now because I'm a sinner. Which leads us to to the last point, and it's this. It's the backwards kingdom. God's kingdom is is backwards. And what I mean by that is if we look at the scripture, it says this. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So both men go home, tax collector goes home, Pharisee goes home, and we see two very, very different results in their life. The first one is that the tax collector goes home justified. And Jesus makes his point very clear to the Pharisees. He says, this man goes home justified. Not you, not, not, the, not the Pharisees, not you religious experts who think you have it all together. You guys don't go home justified. It's this tax collector. He gets to go home justified. And the tax collector is more than just forgiven. You know, when we come into a relationship with God, we're, we're more than just forgiven. But he is given a new life in Christ. He stands righteous before God now. And that's something else that we forget so often. Right? Just like Psalm 103 says, his sins are removed as, as far as the east is from the west. But not only that, is that we get to stand before that holy and perfect God now, righteous before him. Because he doesn't see the life that we live full of sin, but he sees, he sees Christ. See, the tax collector was looking totally away from himself while the Pharisee was looking at all the things he had done. The tax collector found all his righteousness in Christ, where the Pharisee found all his righteousness in his works. And when we are standing in front of God, you know, what are we putting our hope in? Are we putting our hope in, in the stuff that we do for Jesus? Are we putting our hope in, in our preaching ability, our teaching ability, how many times we do set up, how many times we pray? Or are we putting our hope in the work that Jesus did on the cross? So the Pharisee goes home, and he's not justified. And again, going back to the passage, he says this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And I want you to think about how crazy this must have been for, for the Pharisee. Um, you know, the, the Pharisee, he did good things. You know, he fasted twice a week. That's probably more than, than we fast. He tithed 10% of all that he got. That's probably more than some of us tithe in here. He did a lot of these good things. So he's thinking, how is this tax collector going home justified? Like, what, what have I done wrong? It, and he, he, must have been, he must have been so confused. 
But see, the, the Pharisee might have shown better moral character. He might have um, done all the good things on the outside. His life might have looked like it was put together. But when it came to his righteousness again, he's putting it in all the wrong places. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. See, for the tax collector, and I think we tend to forget this sometimes, is you know, he, he's not the tax collector anymore. He's a new creation before God. And if you have a relationship with, with God, if, you, if you're a believer, you know, that life we used to live, it, it, that's not it anymore. We are a new creation under God. But for the Pharisee, there's no life change, and that old life is still present. So what I mean by you know, we, God's kingdom is backwards is that it, it goes so against our cultural norms, right? We live in a society where we're supposed to make it look like we have it all together. You know, our lives are supposed to, to seem like, yeah, this is good. So I uh, want to shed some light to you and what, it, what it's like kind of growing up um, in an Asian household. So kind of what my life and a lot of other people kind of feel like is, is this, is um, you go to school, you obey your parents, don't get in trouble, get good grades, go to church. Um, after high school, go to college, get a good job, get married, work, 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 retire. That's kind of what it is to live in an Asian household. And you you rarely are allowed to, to share any weakness. You know, I grew up in a household where if you show weakness, you know, you got to work your way out of it. You know, don't, don't talk about your weakness, sweep it under the rug, work harder, and that hard work that you do is, is going to make up for the weakness. But God's kingdom is, is the complete opposite of that, right? God's kingdom says, no, weakness is, is what shows us our need for Christ. See, the Pharisees put everything they had, their hope and their work and the things that they were doing, but the tax collector knew his worth, he knew his standing, that he could offer nothing but himself to Christ. Um, I think uh, part of the reason why it's so hard for me to grasp this, this idea of the kingdom is because it is so backwards. Like the, the Pharisee meets all the qualifications. Like if you, if you think about like his job recommendation or whatever, his checklist, he meets the boxes. The tax collector doesn't meet those qualifications. But who goes home justified? It's the tax collector. Um, so I want to close with, um, with this story is uh, going back to my wannabe Pharisee um, days. You know, I remember going, going off to college and trying to bring that God squad lifestyle into, into college. And my roommate asked me, you know, why is it Jesus that is so important? Like, why, why does he have to be the only way to get to God? And I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't know. And shortly, I, I was realizing, like, man, I'm getting exposed. Like, my roommate was like, maybe he doesn't really know what he's talking about. And uh, I was meeting with this guy who was discipling me without me even knowing that I was being discipled. And he just straight up told me one day, I was like, dude, I don't think you're a Christian. And my first reaction was like, all right, first of all, who does that? Like, who says that? That's not nice. But initially, I was, I was angry. You know, who, who tells someone that? But in the most gracious way possible, you know, he, he kind of showed me there, there's very little fruit in your life. There's no evidence in your life. And most importantly, there's very little remorse for the way that you're living. Like there, there's no sin. Like you're sinning and you're not repenting. There is zero 
aspect of your life that will show me that you're, you're a Christian. Um, so it was, it was in that year that for the first time ever, I became aware of my sin. And I became aware that, man, it, it's these things that are actually separating me from relationship with God. And when, when I got to that point, it was like the tax collector. I realized, man, there is nothing that I can do to get to God. There is nothing in me that is good. There's nothing in me that, that is pure. There's nothing that I can do to get to God. And that led me to a place of saying, God, be merciful to me. Because I'm a sinner and I need you and I need Jesus. And when my self-righteousness comes back, because it does, because that's the kind of person I am, and I start, you know, criticizing other people or puffing myself up to, to be better than, than I actually am, um, just want to share a little bit about, you know, the the people that God has placed in my life to, to kind of bring me back down to earth. And, the, the, you know, God has really placed some amazing, amazing people at this church. When I, when I start, um, you know, kind of gossiping or saying, can you believe that happened over there? You know, Pastor Ryan is really quick to, to say this. It's, I wouldn't put it past myself to do that. And it, it kind of blows my mind that he's right. Like, it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past my mind to do that. But here I am judging him, criticizing him, making fun of him. Um, last Wednesday, I was having a conversation with Brandon before um, staff meeting, and he was just sharing some, some stuff about his past that, you know, for, for most men, it's not easy to share about. You know, it, it's not fun. It's not um, easy things to talk about. But he was just so open about it. And I was thinking, you know, how does he have that kind of confidence to, to share openly about, about sin? Uh, my wife, Erica, you know, she... Um, had been talking about going to counseling for a few years. And for the first time this year, she started going and just working through some bruises that she has from her past and, you know, opening up new wounds and, and talking to people about things that, that have hurt her in the past. And, you know, she's open to talking about the weakness in her life. And, you know, even my, my brother, who just recently became a Christian, found this church that he loves. And he, he always tells me, like, dude, I found this church and, like, people like me can go there. And I'm just like, like, that's cool. That's awesome that he feels that open to share, like, people like me, people who are broken can go, can go to church. And here I am, in a lot of ways, scared to be open, scared to be vulnerable, because I feel like I have to make it look like I have it all together. But God has placed people in my life and the just leadership in this church that say, no, I don't have it together at all. Like my life is, is so broken, it's so messed up. The only reason I have any hope in life is because of what Jesus has done in my life. So as we close today, I, I just want you to think about this. You know, the Pharisee went home, the tax collector went home. One went home justified, one went home confused because he was missing the point. So as you go home today, I just want you to think through, through this question is, Whose kingdom are you advancing right now? Are you advancing God's kingdom with your humility? Are you advancing your kingdom with your pride? Let's pray. God, we thank you um, just for your goodness. We thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross. We thank you just for um, just your teachings, God. And God, we pray for ourselves. We pray for our hearts, Lord, as, as we're, we're prideful people. God, we're, we're broken and prideful people. Would you take that away from us, Lord, and will we look to Jesus, the ultimate um, just image of, of humility? 
And God, would we look to you? Would we look to, to you in life, God, and advance your kingdom of our own? We thank you so much. We love you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.